This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast. Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in, tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads. And now, broadcasting from Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. I'm your show host, Trotty, along with my co-host, Gene, and we have a great show lined up. Waiting on the line is our guest today, the Porsche 968 Register Advocate. Trotty, I'm excited to have Mr. Jeff Coe on the show today. Jeff is widely recognized as a leading authority on the Porsche 968. As you mentioned, he's the Porsche Club 968 Register Advocate. He's a frequent contributor to most of the 968 forums on the internet. He and his cars have been featured in magazines like Hemmings Motor News and Excellence. And Jeff won the prestigious My Porsche Classic Contest that celebrated Porsche's 60th anniversary. Jeff, welcome to the Midlife Motorheads podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. And we're really happy to have you on, Jeff. Uh, you've been a good friend for a long time, and I'm real excited to uh, have you on talk about the 968. So to kind of get us started, tell us a little bit about how you got hooked up with the 968 and, and what, uh, what was it about the car that caught your eye? Okay. Well, I got to the 968 probably the way many other people did. Um, when I was younger, teenager, I also saw the infamous Porsche famous movie, Risky Business, and fell in love with the 928 that was featured in that movie. Uh, I just thought it had the most amazing lines and wondered if someday I'd ever be able to uh, own such a vehicle. So fast forward oh, 10 years, 15 years from that time, uh, I had muscle cars up to that point, and they had become valuable. So I was able to sell uh, my Dodge Challenger for a pretty good penny and uh, decided I wanted to get that Porsche that I always wanted. And the 928s had depreciated in value. So I went to start shopping and I drove one and I was disappointed. I did, although I love the looks of the car, I felt that it was too big. It reminded me of a Camaro. I was disappointed in my driving experience. So it wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted something more nimble. Uh, I, you know, I wanted a, a, you know, a car that would, was better handling and stuff. So, you know, so I wasn't sure what I was going to end up doing. And, and then I started looking at the 944. And so I did end up indeed buying a 1987 944 Turbo, which I did enjoy. But I always loved that looks of the 928. And then the 968 was announced. I can still remember back in 1991 when the newspaper came, and I still have the original article. And here was a car that had a lot of the looks, uh, styling aspects of the 928, but it had all of the features that I liked at the 944 at the same time, plus a lot of new stuff. So that was it. So when they came out, I went for a test drive, and I knew I wanted one. Uh, I came close to buying one new back when they were available. Did not do it because I had to be a good husband and father, but I came close. And, uh, but I did, uh, after they went out of production, uh, they also depreciated fairly quickly. And uh, I was able to sell my 944 and get into a 968 in 1996. 
So that's when I purchased my first one. Wow, that's pretty cool. That, that's a long time. So um, just to, to mention, I, I've had a couple, and uh, Trotty's been a 968 owner here for a while as well. Trotty, what, how many miles did you put on that car before you sold it? Three. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a bring it home, look at it, decide uh, we're moving in a different direction. So your first 968, Jeff, tell us about it. So it was, it was funny. I thought I, did, I was going to get a coupe and shopping for a coupe, and I had found a few that I was going to consider buying. But in the end, it was December, a cold, cold December in New England. And this gentleman uh, had one that he had for sale. It was a cab, though. And although I hadn't considered a cab, I wasn't considering it mostly because of the extra cost. Uh, but he was from, um, I think he was from uh, Denmark. And he was heading back home. And he had to sell the car. So we worked out a deal that he could have the car until he was going to leave home in December and gave me a couple thousand more off of it. And then I picked it up in December. And uh, again, I only had 30,000 miles on it. Uh, but it was, uh, and I was very pleased I ended up with the cab because I really, when, once the weather turned and I was able to uh, get out and enjoy the car, being able, the 968 in itself was fantastic, but putting the top down, that just was was amazing. So I that started my journey with that car, and I owned that car for eleven years. Wow! So you mentioned that the nine sixty eight Cabriolet was was more expensive than the coupe at the time. Yeah, much more. So the is that held true? No, it hasn't. So when they were new, the nine sixty eight coupe based at about thirty nine thousand dollars, and that was you know Porsche's entry vehicle uh, in their early nineties. However, the cab was uh, base priced at $51,500. So a lot more money to get yourself into the cab. And then both of those models were available with Tiptronics, which added another $3,500 onto both of those prices. So, uh, but in the end, the coupes only slightly sold better than the cabs. They sold 2,234 coupes in the four years, and they sold 2,008 cabs in the four years. So not that much different in sales considering the difference in price. So, so Jeff, with those numbers, I mean, this sounds like, you know, for Porsche, even are, are not uh, producing the same numbers that, you know, the Volkswagen Bug was or, or the Ford Taurus. But, you know, the 968 seems like it was a low volume car. Does that make it uh, rare? And oh, does, that, does that translate into expensive? Y yes. I mean, first thing is that obviously, uh, you know, the, the 968, although it was a great car, suffered from timing. And we all know how important timing is in life. And so when Porsche rolled out the 968, it couldn't have been the worst time. Uh, I know I work at a bank uh, in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And back in 1992 or 1991, there were six banks in Bridgeport. By the time 1993 came along, there was only one left. And that was mine. And that was, again, we had a pretty nasty recession back in those days. And what a terrible time to launch a car. Not to mention, Porsche was still hand-building them at that time, which resulted in a very expensive car. So my, the, my current 968 Cabriolet stickered at over $60,000 back in 1992. That translates into well uh, to over $100,000 today. So their timing couldn't have been worse which resulted in the very low production figures. And, but that, yeah, all these years later, that's one of the factors you consider when you look at a collectible car is low uh, volume production. And the 968 definitely fits that bill. Yeah. So does that make them expensive compared to like an, an air-cooled 911? Well, 
Yes and no. Uh, if you look right now in the collector market, the 968 is doing pretty well. It, you know, obviously some of the 911s are still on top of the charts. I mean, obviously the 993 being the last air-cooled model is one of the coveted models because people love that aspect of it. You know, the 911s, the earlier ones, people, and the same thing with the 968, people really appreciate the feedback aspect of driving a car from that age. Um, you know, even though there was, we were starting to see modern aspects of these cars like anti-lock brakes and they were you know things like that they still didn't have all the nannies that they do today and people were allowed to you know drive their car in an incorrect manner and then have to correct it and they loved that you know that feeling of the you know having being able to work with the car so the older ones are like that and the 911 is definitely the still the one from those ages as you know especially some of the limited models like the 964s are, are way up there um, but at the same time, you know, the 968 falls into that line and the trans, the transaxle models, which are the 924, the 944, the 968 and the 928 are all, um, all have a, a good fan base now and have brought in some decent money as they've moved up the collector market. Again, they're not, they're not near the top 911s, but they're definitely in the middle and they are better than many of the other ones. Uh, you know, nothing against the boxers, but they sold a ton of them. And because of that, you look at early boxers, they're much cheaper than the 968 now because they're just so common. And even the, and then we all know the poor 996, which is also a, uh, a very unloved 911. Also, those things go regularly go for less money than a, a 968 now. So there are, a few, there are definitely a few that are lower than uh, lower on the totem pole. Uh, so the 968 is kind of in the middle. And one of the reasons that it's done well and maintained itself uh, in the collector market is, again, because of those low production figures. So, Jeff, when, when the 968 came out, I remember reading something that there was a lot of firsts with the car for a production car. Like, I think, wasn't one of the first with dual airbags or, or something like that? No, actually, dual airbags showed up in the, uh, the transaxle cars in 1987 with the 944 Turbo. So that, that actually started then. Uh, and the 968 just picked up on that. Uh, Anti-lock brakes became standard. That was thing. The big first for the 968 are probably the six-speed manual. Um, you know, the, there had been five speeds up to that time. So the 968 got to six-speed. And other things, again, just the styling. As you know, Gene, the, uh, the, the motor is uh, quite unique. Uh, it was the first use of variable cam technology, variable valve timing, which now is so commonplace and such an integral part of engines. Uh, that was the first time Porsche had used it, and it worked very well on the 968. And, and again, uh, that's a, a, a popular system. But, you know, that's also part of what's made the 968 do fairly well in the collector market is, again, even for early 90s, it picked up a few of those things that made it not for not just from a styling perspective, but again, the fact that it had a six-speed manual that was like cutting edge at that time. Well, now it's kind of uh, expected, at least. You know, we even have seven speeds out there. But again, they had it back in 1992, so that's that's helped the 968 age very well. You know, I often go to car shows. You know, you get lesser car people come up to me and say, "Is this a new Porsche model?" And that's hard to believe for a 1992 that somebody can look at it and say that they could possibly think that it's a 2016. Uh, and again, that points to the fact that it has a, gr a great style, which is held up. But even from a technology perspective, it had it back then. You know, four cylinders are all the rage now. 
Uh, I was at the Audi dealership not that long ago. They're putting turbocharged uh, four cylinders in A6s now. So, I mean, you know, what might have been considered an Achilles heel back in the early 90s now is fashionable and stylish as far as uh, new cars that are today. Uh, you know, even the Mustang has a four-cylinder. The Camaro has a four-cylinder. And they aren't even joke four-cylinders. They're turbocharged, and then they put out decent horsepower. So, again, the four-cylinder was a little bit of a dirty word back in the 90s, but now it's much more acceptable. And, again, that's helped to make the 968 uh, look good today. So, Jeff, you, you mentioned your, your, a little bit about your first car, and you kind of snuck in on us about one of your current cars. Why don't you tell us about Minty? Okay. So, like I said, I had purchased my first 968 in 1996, and, because, and I got very involved in the group, as you mentioned, uh, and really enjoyed having the car, working on the car, doing events, meeting the 968 people. So, I kind of immersed myself into that. And I knew, I knew there was a point, I guess, in the early 2000s when I had the opportunity to buy a Boxster, and I said, no, I, I like what I have. I'm going to stick with it. So at that point, I was committed to the 968 line for myself personally. So I knew, although I liked my first car, I knew I wanted, with the, my commitment to the 968 model, I knew I wanted something a little more special. And the, excellent, the neat thing about the 968 is um, when they were produced, Porsche was just getting out, uh, just coming up with the exclusivity and the individuality options and, that they had never had before. I mean, the running joke with 944s is they're practically all red. Well, when the 968 came out, they had 33 color options, 33. And uh, so, and, and 98 different interior options, and not to mention a host of other options available on the car. So that meant that there was tons and tons of different ones. Granted, a lot of them are red, but uh, there's tons and tons of other ones. So I wanted a unique one. Uh, I was thinking I wanted a yellow one, and uh, which are also extremely rare. But then one time when I was perusing, uh, always watching the eBay and Auto Trader and stuff, I noticed uh, a mint green 968 Cabriolet that had come up for sale in Massachusetts. So immediately took took notice of the car. Uh, the color was uh, was amazing. I had seen it before, but never on a 968. And there it was. So uh, you know, I, I again, I kind of had my heart set on a yellow one, but I said, oh, this has got a this is definitely worth a look. So my son Greg and I went up to uh, Massachusetts to take a look, and I immediately fell in love with the car. Uh, not just for the color. The color was spectacular. But it turned out that this particular car was a launch car. It was the ninth one produced, and it was ordered by Porsche car, Cars of North America, and they loaded it with options. It had uh, the 17-inch Cup 1 wheels. It had sports seats. It had a full leather interior. It had uh, headlight washers. It had a you know state of the art 1992 uh, stereo system. All kinds of good stuff. Again, it resulted in that sixty thousand uh, dollar window sticker that it had back in the day. But again, I had never seen a car with so many options and combined with this paint job, it was just amazing. So I knew as soon as I drew drove it, I would have to own it. So uh, we worked. I worked out a deal with the guy Alex who owned it and. Brought it home a few weeks later. So since then, uh, the car is a regular hit. Turns out, I didn't know it at the time, but it turns out of those 2008 968 Cabriolets they made from North America, only one of them was made in mint green, and that's the one that's sitting in my garage. Wow. So whenever, so whenever, cool. I, whenever I go to a car show, 
Um, I'm always the only one. Uh, as Gene, as you know, I've been to a number of the Porsche parades, and I think in all the, I've been to uh, five of them, and in all the ones I've been to, I've only seen uh, one other 911 that's the mint green color that was the same car at one of those shows. So it's an extremely rare color. That said, when people see it in person, they just love it. Uh, it's, you know, I've got the black top and the black interior, which helps, uh, helps a lot with the color, but it is just an amazing color, something you have to see in person. And, uh, it's just been a, a joy. So I purchased that car in 2007 and, uh, again, it's gotten, it's done very well in the show circuit. And Gene, you did mention all of my, a lot of my, uh, past things that I've done with the car, but, uh, probably my number one, I don't know if you remember, was at the, uh, at the parade in French Lick, Indiana. When I was talking to a gentleman and we were going over about the car and then someone turned and tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around to see none other than Dennis Gage from my classic car. I forgot and, about that. Yes, exactly. Wow, yeah. Cool. I yeah. actually saw the episodes. It was terrific. Yeah, he, uh, he loved, he, lo he loves green cars. And as soon as he saw my car, he was just, he was blown over by it. So we had a nice conversation and he said to me, say, Jeff, would you be willing to let me, uh, you know, do a profile on you. So I said, sure. So I broke away a couple hours later and he did the, uh, the, the, the interview that you saw on the, on the show. And then the funny thing was, as you, uh, as you saw, if you remember on the show, um, I gave him the key so he could drive it and they filled the film, the show closure with him driving my car, which was very cool. So, and again, we cool. owe that all to that color because it stands out so much. It is, it is truly stunning. And, you know, when, when you first hear it, if you don't see the car, you know, mint green sports car, it's, it's like, eh, I'm not too sure. But uh, I remember when I walked up on it at the Porsche Parade in in uh, Savannah, Georgia, a number of years ago. I, it's just, it blows you away. It's just phenomenal. Makes me want ice cream for some reason, but it's it's really a beautiful car. <laughs> so, so, Jeff, you, you pick up Minty. You're, you're active as you can be in the, the 968 world. You mentioned the yellow car. You had to scratch that itch at some point. Yeah. So I was happy with my uh, the mint green cab. Obviously, that was great. But then uh, one day my email box ran, rang, and there was an email from a gentleman who was in the registry, which I was running, and he was getting ready to move his car. He was buying an Audi R8, a very nice car. Oh, yeah. uh, but as I read his ad, I didn't think too much of it. Because I get I get at, I get emails all the time with people call, looking for cars or selling cars, and I just put them aside in the wanted or the selling uh, folders on my email box. And I, as I got to reading it, I just happened to go down the bottom, and it mentioned it was speed yellow in color. And as I said earlier, a few minutes ago, that that's an extremely rare color on the 968. As it turns out, they only made ten coupes and ten cabs in speed yellow. It was a color that was introduced. Uh, late in the model line, so they're very rare. And here this gentleman had one. He had bought it brand new. Uh, it only had 40,000 miles on it. So we talked, and uh, the more I heard, the more I said, wow, uh, boy, I'd love to add a coupe to my stable. So uh, I convinced the wife that this was a good investment for the future. And uh, in 2011, I picked that one up. And that's an amazing car, too. The best thing about that car is I just have the pedigree on that car is just unbelievable. I have every piece of paper you can imagine. I even have the piece of uh, the little thing that hung down from the rearview mirror advertising the Porsche leather 
that they would have on a car when it sat in the showroom. I mean, that's how many details I have on this car. Uh, so it, it's got such a great pedigree. And it's a great-looking car, too. So it looks really nice. And the speed yellow is an amazing color. Again, one that wasn't particularly popular then, but very popular now. So I added that one to the stable back in 2011. Wow. And then... You've got another sort of project going on, and this kind of reminds me of the story of the dog followed me home, Mom, I've got to keep it kind of thing, right? Right. Tell us about the Matador. So back two years ago, I was perusing uh, eBay like I do regularly, and under the parts area, I found a guy who was selling a, a 968 for parts of restoration, and it was white, and it had been hit in the rear. So as I, 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 I just, you know, happened to peek at it and I'll open it up the ad and looked inside of it. And I noticed it had a red interior. And I said, whoa, could that be? So I checked the 968 database and sure enough, the car was, was one of two coupes produced with the uh, Matador Red special full leather interior. It's a really cool red leather, extremely rare. It's like an apple skin red color. Uh, but a lot of black. The uh, the headline the headliner is black, but the dash is the black on the top and matador red on the bottom. Seats are red and the carpets are red. But it's a great looking, extremely rare red car, uh, red interior. So I talked to the guy and he said, Yeah, yeah, I'm getting ready. I don't know why I bought the car. I was going to make a race car out of it, but now it's just been sitting. So I ended up getting it real cheap. It was in Colorado, but I you know, but I was able to make the deal work. Had a full set of 17-inch Cup 1 wheels on it. So I picked it up as a project. Um, it has it been hit in the rear, so I've since had it pulled. And I bought a rear section from another wrecked 968, wrecked in the front. And I will be, at some point when my I have the time, grafting the rear-end pieces that I bought necessary onto the back of the Matador and bringing that car back to, back to hole again. But again, that's another rare one, one of two. Uh, with that incredibly rare $5,000 interior back in 1992. That's crazy. That's going to be a beautiful car. I can't wait to see that one in person. So, Jeff, do you think you'll be going to to Boca Raton this year? Well, I was all set to go, Gene, but it's not going to happen. I was actually planning on taking Binti, and I was going to do the auto train and go down there. But unfortunately, uh, like I said, I work for a bank. I'm a project manager, and we bought another bank, and we are converting that bank on the 29th of July. So oh. needless to say, I'll be working that weekend. Otherwise, I would have been there for sure. Where's the Porsche Parade next year, 2020? I have not read, but as you know, it moves, it'll move back to the West Coast, yeah. and then it'll be the Midwest in 2021, and then uh, the East Coast again in 2022. So I was disappointed. I really wanted to go to Boca Raton. I know it's going to be hot, but I know it's beautiful down there. There's a tremendous amount of great Porsches, including some uh, uh, great 968s. There's a gentleman down there that has a silver cab with a flamenco red interior, which I was hoping to see. But it's just not in the cards. And uh, the good thing about having a, you know, having all these cars is you've got to have a good job to be able to pay for them. So it looks like I'm working. <laughs> oh, wow. So, Jeff, what do you want to see in the future for the 968? Well, I think, you know, I, I think, again, it's, it's already pretty well recognized. So that, that's good news. I'm very, I've been very pleased with the amount of press that the car, the model line has been receiving over the years. I, I'm really glad, you know, people used to be worried that the Porsche Club in general was a little snooty 
and it was either a 911 or not, but boy, has Porsche embraced every kind of car with the arrival of the Cayenne and the Macan, and we've got Caymans, and we've got, uh, um, you know, Boxers, so we've got a variety of Porsches out there, so if there was any uh, frou-frouiness before, it's gone, and, there, and with the uh, transaxle cars celebrating their anniversary um, last year, uh, that, that also helped, so, so I'm glad to see that. Uh, obviously, we're all worried about parts, but Porsche's got a pretty strong commitment to classic parts. Um, if they see enough orders, they continue to do that. Um, we've got, you know, there's still plenty of uh, parts cars out there to help donate parts. So, again, that's one thing we have to watch for is the fact, you know, whether or not we'll have enough parts to keep the models going. Uh, again, the thing that worked out best, though, Gene, is the fact that the car has become so... Uh, the timing of the car is still, the, the design of it is still working so well today. I mean, the fact that the car, even back then, got great gas mileage, and, you know, with, ga with people being concerned about that kind of thing now, it makes it a practical sports car, which is great to be able to have. Uh, you know, if you're driving a, you know, a Hemi Cuda or something like that, that's just in that, you know, all those, although those cars are really cool, they're not really that practical. But how great to be able to, you know, have your cake and eat it too with a collector car that you can get in and go for a drive uh, or go to a car show. And it just, uh, you know, it's, it's comfortable. It's got, you know, it's got your modern anti-lock brakes. It's got your music. It's got decent gas mileage. And on top of that, it's still a great performer. So um, I think that that'll definitely help it uh, as we go into the future years. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, Jeff, a uh, couple of quick questions. I, I just want to get your, your sort of immediate response to this. Um, best and worst 968 color combinations. You mentioned a couple that were really stunning. Any, uh, any, what, what would you categorize your, as your best and worst? Well, um, obviously, I've always been a, a fan of the yellow. Um, so I, I, I th And those cards, uh, Gene, as you know, the yellow 968 can command 50 to 100% more in value than the same car in red. <laughs> so that tells you right there uh, how well that color works on that car combined with its rarity. So mine would be uh, yellow with uh, some kind of an interesting interior, although I do love the mint green. Um, I do, uh, I think if I was back in uh, the early 90s ordering one, that's what I would have ordered one up, yellow. And uh, worse, um, I'm not a big gray fan. Uh, you know, that, so I, you know, I'm not a big gray fan, so I don't think I would have bought one of those. So, you know, just, a, I'm a vibrant color fan. So whether it would have been mint green or signal green or Riviera blue, all Porsche, like I said, of those 33 colors that were available on the 968, they had some great, great colors. And so, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of all of those. Now, if someone all wanted to go sort of off the menu for, for a color combination, what, what was uh, the the paint to was it uh, special wishes or paint to match? What 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 was that program? How much was that? Yeah, so that was uh, color to sample. Color and, sample. Uh, yep, and uh, that that is a program that Porsche continues to offer today. Um, and uh, the, it's interesting you should mention those, uh, Gene. Uh, as you know, with the registry, we track everything. So I can tell you they made eighteen of those uh, color to sample cars. So that means somebody walked into the dealership and said that, hey, I want a 968, and there was some issue with the color that they bought or wanted, and so they ended up falling back onto the color to sample uh, program. And that color to sample was about $5,000 back then. 
Um, so it was an expensive option, but uh, it also had to be approved from the factory. Now, the interesting thing, Gene, is I think of those 18 cars, I think I've, I've spotted, uh, I want to say 11 of them. They're up on the site. And the interesting thing about them is of the 11 that I've spotted, I think all but one are colors that were made previously. So I can just imagine the story behind it where somebody comes in and says, wow, I saw this 968. It's this teal color. I love it. I, I want to get one that color only to find out that Amazon green, which is the teal color, it was no longer available in 1994 and 95. Oh, but wait, if you're willing to pay us money for color to sample, we'll go ahead and paint it for you that color. So that is the case in all but, you know, in 11 or 10 of the cases of the 11 that I've spotted, they're all colors that were offered on the 968, but in the earlier years. The only example, uh, exception to that gene is that yellow car that I think you're familiar with because it spent some time in um, North Carolina, which was a sun yellow color. Uh, that's an old, old color from the 914, which somebody must have liked from back in the day and said, I'd like a 968 that color and custom ordered it in that color. And that color was never available on the 968 series and only on this one car where somebody wanted to pay and get that uh, done. But again, that the whole color to sample program is again, yet another example of how Porsche was allowing you to order all kinds of wild stuff back in the early nineties. All this custom a la carte thing, as long as you were willing to pay for it, just like they do today. Yeah. I actually have a picture of that sun yellow car in my driveway. The gentleman who owned it brought it over to my house and um, we, we didn't reach an agreement, but uh, he was, he was selling the car. So I got to I got to look at it, touch it, and uh, take some photographs of it in my driveway. Yep. So what's what's the most rare 968? When you talk about color combinations, I guess that's one of one. But what's what is that one of one? Well, that's the thing. When you get to a low production vehicle like the 968, there are tons of one of ones. You know, you, and again, it all depends on what degree you want to go to. Uh, we can go to color. We can go to color within uh, within body style. And, uh, you know, you can get right down to one of ones or something like that. So, again, my my mint green cabriolet is the only mint green cabriolet they produced. Uh, that said, they made two coupes. So that means in total there were three mint green cars produced for North America. But there are a couple of these bizarre special metallic colors. They were kind of carryovers from the from the 80s into 1992, only offered that one year where they only made one of, so there's a few of those. And uh, again, that maybe not necessarily would be your favorite color, but but that doesn't change the fact that they're one of ones. So there are, and then, you know, you factor in the top, you know, Cabriolet top color or the interior, those colors, uh, that can result in a bunch of one of ones too. So just like any car that where they made so few in the 968 right out of the uh, gate is a pretty rare car with only 4,242 of them made, you're going to find a lot of one-on-ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this has been uh, fantastic, really enlightening, a great uh, trip sort of down 968 memory lane with you. I really do appreciate you joining us today. Uh, any closing remarks? Well, I'm looking forward to more fun things with the cars in the future. Um, I, I'm a firm believer, as I know you are, Gene, that, uh, you know, if you have a car, it's really no fun just keeping it in the garage, get out and, uh, Drive them, let people see them, because I know people appreciate seeing them. I mean, they they are rare. Uh, 
Uh, I've driven to many of those parades. Uh, Minty's got 60,000 miles on her now because of the fact that I've driven. So again, I continue to, I'll continue to uh, be committed to get the car out there so people can see it. And I encourage others to do the same. Perfect. That's why they made them to drive them, right? That's right. All right, Jeff, you have a great evening. And uh, again, we appreciate you joining us today. All right, guys, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.